You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 168, sponsored by Afro Samurai from Funimation, Discount Comic Book Service, and Netflix. Yeah! <laughs> That's going to come off the screen. <laughs> Hi, welcome to the iFanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 168. My name is Ron. It was all in caps in the script. And I'm here with... Connor. Connor. Sorry. Something I'm happened. Josh. I, I don't know what happened. Where are we? We are, what day is- um, we are the three guys behind iFanboy.com, uh, which is a website dedicated to comic books uh, that we started because we like comic books. And uh, we read them every week and we talk about them. And we uh, write, one of us writes the Pick of the Week, which is a review of the best comic book issue that came out that week. And then we come here to talk about that issue as well as some of the other issues, some of the highlights of the week. And we hear from you. We get some emails, some voicemails, that sort of thing. It's a little give and take. It's always a good time. Um, so before we get to Connor's Pick of the Week review, uh, I just want to remind everybody that um, this is we're going to talk about what happened in the book. So spoiler warning. Uh, we might, you know, If you haven't read your comics, you might want to press pause, come back a little later, or uh, be warned that we might reveal what happened in the comic book um, because we're going to talk about the comic book. And um, no special announcements this issue, episode. Um, I have one. Oh, okay. So tune in later for Josh's special announcement. I don't have one. <laughs> no, actually, actually, I think, I think we do have a special we, yeah, we, announcement. We do have some interesting. Not, I do. I do have. I, I, I do have one. We don't want to. We don't want to go to the well with the special announcements. But stay tuned towards the end of it. We've got some um, uh, in, some interesting news for the iFan, uh, iFanboy membership base. So if you're an iFanboy member, stay tuned. If you want to be an iFanboy member, stay tuned. But until then, Connor. Dark Avengers number one, why do I care about this book? I think that's a question Josh normally would ask me, not you. But <laughs> why do you care on, about this? On Wednesday, I was about halfway through my stack and Ron called for something totally unrelated because sometimes we chat about things that aren't related to comic books. Because we're, we're actually friends. Right. And, uh, and then at the end of the conversation, I, he asked how it was going and I said it was good. I had halfway through my stack and it was a really strong week so far. And it finished up a really strong week. I had about five or six books that I could probably justify as pick of the week in some way or another, and that's fun, but also kind of frustrating because you don't, you know, there's, when there's not one standout book, you you, you kind of want to, you, you know, it's it's tough to pick one over another. And I had at the end of the day, I had five books laid out in front of me, and I did sort of a process of elimination. I said, well, out of these five, which was the least fun? Well, this one goes out, and then out of these four, and then it came down to two books, and finally it came down to Dark Avengers number one. And believe me, no one was more surprised by it than I was. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Mike Diodato's new Avengers book, which is basically just Thunderbolts <laughs> it's true. with a new title. Yeah. It is. It's Thunderbolts with a new title. It's the same, same – r- Right. But I mean it's, it's, it's the same artist. It's the same characters. It's just new writer and different title. It's basically Thunderbolts. I've said it in my review. There's no problem with that. I used to buy Thunderbolts but stopped after a while. But this is basically just Thunderbolts. And Actually, interestingly, interestingly, what's that? Thunderbolt. It's the original Thunderbolts. It's not the it's not the modern Thunderbolts. It's a mo- it's a combination of the modern team plus the original concept. Wow. I okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So it's basically the the, the premise of this book is Norman Osborn. He's now in charge of the Mar- Marvel Universe. He's in charge of Hammer, which is the new, the new Shield. He's in charge of the Avengers Initiative. So he's in charge of the Avengers, and he forms his new Avengers team by taking his Thunderbolts team of villains. And putting them in hero costumes and telling, showing them to the public, saying, "This is your new Thunderbolt. This is your new Avengers." And this is basically a gathering of the team issue, which is interesting because we had another one of those, which we'll talk about in a minute this week. So it was kind of dual gathering of the team issues, and it actually came down to Mighty Avengers versus Dark Avengers for the pick of the week. Wow! And really? I, I, I enjoyed um, Dark Avengers more because I like Bendis as a writer more than Slot. I liked the art better in Diodato than in whoever um, Koi fan. Mighty Avengers. So it came down to the creative team over in the in terms of pick of the week. But I just this is the Bendis that I had missed in Speaker Innovation. This was the the smart characterization, the snappy dialogue, the quick plotting. This was all very sharp, and I really had missed that. And it's it sort of to me felt like a return to that early New Avengers Bendis book. It felt very much like an early New Avengers book. It was 
had the same tone, the same feeling. I was really happy when it was over with. I love the Avengers, and I love that corner of the universe. And even though these are villains posing as the Avengers, it still had that feel, that indefinable Bendis superhero feel that was really fun and exciting. And it was just turned out to be the most fun. It had some great scenes when Norman Osborn unlocks the secret chamber, and it's all of the Iron Man suits. I was like, oh, that's bad. That's going to lead to trouble. Like, it had great <laughs> moments in it that, that were really fun. And Dr. Doom was in it. He, he writes a great Dr. Doom. Doctor, there was a page, by the way, um, there was a panel. It was the Doctor Doom panel where he says, if you continue to speak, there will be no end to your suffering. That, <laughs> that is a pick of the week right there. Yeah. That panel is nice. yeah. That's good. Yeah, so it was, it was just a really fun Avengers book, and I'm happy to get done with the, the baggage or the emotional baggage of Secret Invasion and get back to the business of superheroing in the Avengers universe. And, and I think between this book, Mighty Avengers, and New Avengers, which came out a few weeks ago, it was a really good start to the, to the new this new year of Avengers. We talked about it before about Secret Invasion, how it's, the problems we had with it aside, it's leading to an interesting place. I think we're finding I'm finding at least that I really like the place that the Avengers books are at right I now. I like Dark oh. Rain. I, I really like it. I mean, after reading, I mean, like it's funny because I'm lo- I was looking at my stack of books and like, you know, about at least a third of the books had the Dark Rain banner over them, and I um that that they were all good, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what's nice about Secret Invasion is that it, it's over, and I don't. I'm not actually being flippant. I'm saying that it's over, and there's an effect from it, but it's not like Civil War where everybody has to go around talking about it for, well, as long as they decided to keep talking about it. But you know, this like it's over, so let's deal with the effects of it. But we don't have to whine on it. And like you know, if there's a book where there's like a death, you know, like you know, Batman, they have to deal with him for a while. Whereas this. That happened, and now we're on to the next thing, which is kind of it's refreshing, I suppose. Yeah. I really like this next thing. It's fun to have the bad guy in charge because you know you're not supposed to like him. I see people talking about how they didn't like it because these people are in these heroes' costumes and it made them mad. It's supposed to make you mad. It's supposed to, you're not supposed to be happy about this. It's supposed to set up a situation where you're waiting for the heroes to eventually triumph, but you have to start from a place of trouble. You can't, and can't, what, what's, you even, what's even more uncomfortable about it is that Mixed amongst those people are really characters curious. like Ares and and the Sentry and and well you know I hate to say it but you know and and Marvel and you, or Novar you know like yeah the, the, they're not supposed to be there why don't they know what's going on like it just it's that cognitive disconnect and you look at it and you've got to wait and try to figure it out and it's it's maddening the, what I, what but I really it, liked about this issue was that I don't I, I don't think cle- I don't mean clever to be kind of um, you know, it, with a negative, you know, kind of a negative connotation, but Bendis got really clever with this story because it, it, it definitely, he tied, um, uh, he made parallels between Stark and Osborn that I never thought about, um, which, which I'm going to talk about a little later on in, in, in the show in another book. But, um, you know, the fact that they were both industrialists and both making, wep- make, uh, makers of weapons, you know, Norman Osborn kind of got shoved, shoved, you know, sh- you know, shunted off to the side because of the Green Goblin thing. But the fact that, you know, he, you know, could you know Norman Osborn could have been Tony Stark if he took the same a different path, and he wasn't crazy. If he wasn't crazy, and so like b- building off of that idea, that clever idea, and then I, I got to give him credit. You know, taking Venom and making him slimmer, make him look like Spider Man, genius. Taking Bullseye and putting him in Hawkeye's costume, genius. Taking Dokken, <clears throat> who was the stupid Wolverine son character they made in Wolverine Origins, that is, I, I, like a couple of weeks ago I was talking to somebody going, wow, there's a character they don't know what to do with, and making him Wolverine is genius. It's like, yep. it, it's really, really clever and really, really smart. Um, and I just loved the, the, the when, Nor- in the beginning when Norman Osborn was recruiting his kind of his, his number one or his assistant or whatever, that, that woman. Just the, the justification and his approach to get inside of his head is some of Bendis' best writing, I think. It was really, really good. This was, to me, this was vintage, vintage Bendis writing yeah, in superhero, yeah. superhero terms. And this is what I, I was so happy when I was over. I felt yeah. like, again, like I was reading that first year of New Avengers. It yeah. really where He was in that zone. He was in that Avengers zone. Yeah. Uh, and it was just – it felt so good. At, ooh, that felt, sounded dirty. But um, – <laughs> Uh, I, I, it just sets up so many interesting things that are going to happen in the future. What happens when they meet up with the Avengers? Yeah. You know, Hawkeye's going to, as I said in the review, Clint Barton's going to be pissed. Yeah. Right. Well, Logan's going to be pissed. Yeah, exactly. Spider-Man's going to be pissed, and it's going to fit. It's going to lead up to a great confrontation. These are things we're seeing the seeds being sown uh, laid now. They'll be sown later that uh, of these great stories we can possibly have. I loved, you know, the the moments, the great moments. It's like feeding a scroll to Venom was yeah. was terrifying. They basically took a scroll prisoner and threw him in a cage, and Venom ate him. 
And that was, you know, scary. These are supposed to be scary dudes. Even though they're nominally the heroes of this book, they're not heroes. They're bad dudes. And that's and the point. I, of- I, I, I also – I like how, um, you know, like they didn't show – like they didn't give have, have Osborne give Bullseye. Here is Hawkeye's costume. Why don't you try this on? Like uh, – and I remember hearing Bendis once use, use the advice, you know, enter a scene late and leave early. And yeah. so like you just see like the tail end, you know, the middle of a conversation, not the end, you know – not so much that you're confused about it, but it was just – I thought it was really nicely placed, I suppose. Yeah. It was really delicately done in, in a really cool way. And the, and the bringing back the stupid Iron Patriot armor from the throwaway teaser art from Civil War that never got used, you know, the variant, bringing that back and actually using it is, <laughs> was, is clever as well. I could, I could make one continuity bitch, which is – What the, would that be? Which is the, the, the red and yellow helicarrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff Loeb crashed that in the pages of Red Hulk. Oh, Jeff Loeb crashed everything though. Right, I, I feel like the, I feel like Red Hulk's out of continuity. I just yeah, feel like I know, but but something that big, that, I don't know. Sorry, but that was the only on. thing I was just like, ah, but whatever. And you know, Lo- Loeb and Bendis don't like each other. Yeah, <laughs> they're not saying it, but we know it to be true. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think my only nitpick on this whole thing would be I really and Connor, you mentioned this, but like turning the page and like seeing uh, Ms. Marvel's ass, I'm just like seriously. Yeah, yeah well, that was well, real. I mean, that really. Because otherwise, the thing, yeah, the thing I, I think Mike Diodato is very, very talented. He does mm-hmm. great stuff in here. My only two nitpicks I said this in the in the review was one he does Tom Lee Jones as Norman Osborn. He's always he's always done that, so it's kind of like you have to get used to it at this point. He's never he's not going to change. He's been doing it since he started mm-hmm. doing Thunderbolts. And the other thing was the throwing in the cheesecake. That's totally unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary to have Miss Marvel be wearing a thong as yeah. her costume, yeah. and it doesn't. And it just throws you, takes you out of it, throws you, throws you off. It doesn't well, make any sense. That's that, that's the cla- her classical costume. He's just drawing it in a more updated, risque way. So, that, no, the, she's nineteen ninety four. That would be true, but it's not. Yeah, she can cover her ass. Well, no, that costume, that's the costume from the seventies. Oh no, you're talking no, about no, the no, car- no, Miss Marvel. Oh, Ms. Marvel. Car- oh yeah, Miss Marvel. Oh yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I um, totally agree. There were, on the other hand, some really. Really nice page layouts. There was some really good storytelling. I thought, the, yeah. like on the the bullseye conversation page, like he he he'd done the panels in a really interesting way. Where it was like a sort of circular target, although it wasn't quite a target. And um, the, and, the, and the and the homage to the Spider Man pose, and and yeah, there, there were some good layouts, and as you know, I did I did enjoy that. I the 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 scene with Marvel Boy, um, those panels kind of you know kind of being slightly tilted on the backdrop. Yep. Oh, that was really cool. I can't say I'm in love with the um, with the coloring, with uh, with, with what is his name, Rain Burrito, or whatever. That it's a, it's that more that muddy, you know, that muddy Marvel look now, whatever. And I know that everyone seems to you know you know be raving about it, but I I, I think it's just a little too muddy for me. But that's, I think it works for this. It is called Dark Avengers. True. Yeah. No, I know. But so. I think. But. I think yeah. of all, it's uh, sorry. It's, it's been worse before. I think it's definitely not worse. Yeah. We had three sort of similar books. So also Thunderbolts came out, 128, which is uh, the team that used to be the Dark, Dark Thunderbolts, now the Dark Avengers, now Thunderbolts is out. Josh, what happened in that book? It's just, this was basically, this I think took place directly after Dark Avengers number one. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that, so I read it first. That happened with Mighty I, Avengers. Yeah, I was completely lost until, until like much later in the day when I read... Um, I, when I read uh, Dark Avengers, which really kind of like just threw me. Out. I mean, it's not really, it's not a mistake. There's nothing to do about it. But basically, what this was was Norman Osborn, like after all that, gets into Air Force One with Barack Obama and Doc Sampson, uh, and they argue, which was fun. This was, the, was this was the sleeper Marvel presidential appearance book that nobody knew about. The fact mentioned that, the, the, the fact that Obama was was in it, and apparently, at least in my story, it was sold, it was sold out by six o'clock. Um, really? Yeah, and Thunderbolts never sells out. The, the guess was because of the Obama appearance, um, which they did classily. They weren't like you oh, know, yeah, like it totally wasn't. It. Yeah, it was him. By the way, he was wearing sunglasses at night. I don't really know why. That's yeah. all. But um, yeah, so so Obama summons um, uh, Osborne and Doc Samson to discuss in his flight to Russia well, during the flight to Russia whether or not Osborne is fit to be in the position he is because Samson is saying that he um, is crazy. And what I thought was really interesting, I thought this issue was really, really good. Um, <laughs> and what I thought was interesting was that, you know, Osborne takes the, well, yeah, Samson says I'm crazy, but maybe he's crazy. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, don't take that kind of defense. But then what happens is that then the surgical strike against Air Force One by these new, you know, these new Thunderbolts, 
um, yep. and which basically positions, you know, it's almost as if Osborne knew this was going to happen, and it, just the machinations that he's going through, and basically sets up a, a scenario where someone else is dressed up like Green Goblin to cast any doubt that it's him, and it just, it, it, it this issue grabbed me early on with the Obama thing and held me throughout the whole issue, so... And who's and the, team? the team now? Is like the the, the irredeemable Ant Man and the who else? Ant Man. It's it's um the the blonde, the blonde black widow. Blonde black widow. It looks like that um, that 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 weird creepy thing that opened the Iron Man uh, safe in in Dark. Oh, the gray, the gray ghost or the ghost? The ghost. Or, the ghost. Just ghost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we haven't we haven't been introduced to the rest of the team yet. Um, mm-hmm. so it's gonna it's gonna develop. But what's interesting is that so on one hand, you know, on one hand, Osborne is putting together a above-the-board, very public Avengers team, and then, you know, under the board, he's got this covert ops, you know, black ops, nobody knows about, off-the-grid kind of strike team to do what he needs to get done, and it's kind of really kind of kind of creepy. Yep, so, it was good, though. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Definitely. Yeah. So the, and, uh, this going into this week, I thought, all right, I'm kind of over Mighty Avengers. I'll give this dance lot one shot to keep me. You know, I'll, I'll give him the one shot. I'll give him a chance. Normally, I would just drop the book, but I said, right, I'll give him one shot. And I really liked this issue of was, Mighty Was Avengers. this a double-sized issue? This was really long, I thought. It felt it. It felt really, really long. And no, and you're right. It was good. I'm not a big fan of Koi Fam's art, but it wasn't as no. bad as the as the Avengers issue he did. Um, yeah. But I'm, I still didn't love it, but I thought it was a little better. Um, but yeah, no, this was – I was surprised that this kind of grabbed me too. It was funny because in running in conjunction with Dark Avengers, it was very similar in that this was all building a new Mighty Avengers team. So it was basically um, Scarlet Witch going around and, and, grab, and with, with Jarvis and gra- gathering this new team together. With, with Did she mention what was in the closet? No, never, not yet. Never. That would be the last time we saw. So I didn't read this. So what, what, what was, what, who were these Avengers? This is, um, you know, so the new Avengers are still the underground Avengers. Uh-huh. And the Dark Avengers is the public Avengers, so these are the other all the other heroes, and so it's it's basically Hercules and Amadeus Cho from Incredible Hercules show up and they, with Jarvis, and they say, "Jarvis, you're the heart of the team. You need to get the Avengers back." We, you know, Amadeus Cho's figured out that the Avengers can't exist without you, so they go around picking up Avengers, and they end up with Scarlet Witch, and she goes around and gets more Avengers. Well, no, it's, it and, starts with Scarlet Witch, though. It start, Scar, Scarlet Witch has noticed something's the matter. And some some dudes on Wondergore Mountain, and so she starts trying to build the team as she believes needs to be built. And so she reach, you know she reaches out to Hercules, and she goes and she finds the Hulk. She she goes she goes to look for Captain America, finds that he's dead, and for whatever reason rejects Bucky and goes to uh, U.S. Agent. Um, she grabs Vision and Stature from the Young Avengers, um, and uh, then it, it ends with her going to Hank Pym um, and Jocasta. And inspiring Hank Pym to lead this team. Uh, what what I thought was really great about it was that this you know it really delved into more of the Hank Pym insecurity and, and his role as leader and how he was the original leader of the of the Avengers and how he never really felt as if he belonged with Iron Man with Hulk with Thor and then early on in the Avengers when he was you know the size of an ant and Iron Man comes in and at the time when Iron Man has a secret identity and takes his mask off and sees that it's Tony Stark. Hank Pym was like, "Oh God! Not only is it Iron Man with all this power, but it's also one of the you know one of my rivals in terms of intellect." And he's like, "He's like, I can't live up to that." And so it it deals you know it's kind of more of that Hank Pym, I'm not good enough psychosis, but ends up with a nice little kind of um, you know him kind of stepping up to the challenge. So currently, this Mighty Avengers team is U.S. Agent Hulk, um, Hank Pym's Wasp identity, Scarlet Witch, Hercules, Amadeus Cho, Jocasta, Vision, and Stature from the Young Avengers. So that's currently the, this team, but. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, th- I think I could read a series where every issue they just built a new team. Yeah, I know. It's always so much fun. My only thing that worries me about this is that it looks like it's, it's a magic-based villain on Wondergore Mountain that they're going to fight, which kind right. of doesn't, doesn't interest me as much. But, um, but we'll see. I don't know. It, it definitely felt like an old-school Avengers story, though. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah because we, we, we haven't had that in so long. That yeah. it, it was just really, really fun, and I really enjoyed it. I don't, you know, I like Slot. I don't love him. I like him. And... Well, I'm gonna give this arc a shot and see how it goes from there. But it was it was really really good, especially when you read. I read them back to back with with um, Dark Avengers, so it was very they complemented each other very well. Because one was a good team, one was a bad team. They were both doing the same thing. Yeah. So now, I imagine Night Witches uh, was up there. Night Witches was was the third book that I was. It was mm-hmm. one of the last three on my table in front of me, and 
it was so good, but I felt like comparatively it was it was slight in terms of mm-hmm. content. You know, that there wasn't a lot that happened. It happened well, you, quick, you knew quickly, what was going to happen. What did happen was fantastic. Well, it was. I mean, it was a it was a very classic story. I mean, literally from the first first and second page, I was like, oh, he's dead. <laughs> I mean, like just immediately, I was like, that guy, guys, that guy's not going to make it, and that's going to be about it. And it's just they've sort of been telling these two two concurrent stories the whole way through, and you know that they're going to come together, and they did, and it was. It was textbook, and I don't mean to say that in a way that it was boring because it was you know beautifully drawn, just like the others, and really nice characterization and and good action, and you you know that you it, there's a page turner and everything, but it was totally textbook. Um, and which it was is also not textbook bad. Garth Ennis, where it was just like, here's the horror of war, yeah, and it is horrible. Like the medic, the Russian woman who bites the arm off the dead guy, or eats awesome. it off. Yeah, was, it was a little. Much. I think I read this around dinner time, and I was like, "Oh!" Ugh. Or the the fact that they're fighting in the snow, and the whole patch of snow is red for like as far as you can see from the blood of the dead soldiers. Yeah, uh, good stuff. And uh, and the moment that you knew was coming, but still was shocking, where the yeah. um, the female pilot is downed, and and the the, the plan for all the female pilots is that they're going to kill themselves if they get shot down because they don't want to be raped to death by the Nazis. But uh, this one pilot won't won't the give one up. Good and, Nazi. And so she meets the one good Nazi who wants to save her life and, and doesn't want her to be uh, raped to death by his, his colleagues. She just kills him in a horrible fashion and then kills all of his Nazi friends. And it was just – but it was, it was fantastic. It was so good. But I felt like it just – it was a little, just a little too – comparatively to the other books, it moved really quickly and it was over very quickly. And it was like – it felt less, less meaty than the other books I read. I hear you. But it was fantastic, and the next one comes out like in, next week or the week after. Yeah, I think. next week. Next week's the next arc or whatever next story. Dear which Billy, I think has nothing to do with this one. Um, I don't want to get forever. I don't want. To... No, I don't. That's, I don't... What, that's what I learned from reading his books. <laughs> it isn't going to matter. We're all going to be living in shanty towns, and you don't have to worry about that. We're stabbing people over food. <laughs> anyway, Green Lantern Thirty Seven was the people's pick, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I thought it was a solid, another solid issue. I didn't think it was spectacular. Every, no, but every, no, but the thing is, is that every issue of Green Lantern is, I don't want to say better than the one before, but it just is building on this momentum. This, this was the book that I scrambled to read first out of my stack because I just couldn't, I couldn't wait because I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to see what's next, what's next, you know, like the, the stuff in the last, and it feels like the last issue came out like two weeks ago, doesn't it? It did, yeah. I think. And, um... And the momentum with the Blue Lanterns had me just like just completely, completely enamored with what's going on. And then so this is kind of the the, the face off where Hal and the Blue Lanterns go to the planet where the Red Lanterns are gathered and uh, to try to save Sinestro, not save, but you know, kind of bring Sinestro back to justice. And it ends up being a big ass fight between the Red Lanterns, the Green Lanterns, the Blue Lanterns, and some Yellow Lanterns. <laughs> which, that, which all together makes a brown lantern. And that's the only thing that wor- worries me about this upcoming like color, color war type Lots thing. of lanterns. There's going to be lots of lanterns. There's gonna be, and you know, just things, colors are flying all over the place and constructs and rings and stuff like that. But um, we get a glimpse of, you know, there's a lot of talk of what, you know, what is ahead for Hal Jordan and how much of a, of a role he's going to play. Um, and so you get even more hints of, of that as far as what he, you know, what he's supposed to be doing in terms of this grand, you know, kind of, you know, play that's being played out amongst the lanterns. Um, and then, you know, there, you know, um, one of the uh, atrocious or whatever his name is, you know, says that, you know, atrocitus or whatever says that he's seen your future and that you're going to become a renegade. And there's a quick flashback of Hal killing all the, all the, or fighting all the guardians. Um, and so it just, you know, it's really, really kind of fascinating to see that, like, you know, if Jeff Johns has some book of knows where this whole story is going, which he surely must, it's just like it's. I just can't wait. Like he's giving to us in little bits, and I just want more, and I want it all. Um, and so it finally ends with um, with the Yellow Lanterns and the Blue Lanterns getting into the fray, and um, uh, Lara, Lara, whatever the the Red Lantern who used to be a Green Lantern that Hal um, was committed to saving ends up dying, and the Red Lantern see, the Red Lantern ring seeks out a worthy host, and turns out it's Hal. And it ends with Hal in Red Lantern garb. Well, you know what? And that's the big hook of the issue. But really, the best part about this, I think, bar none, 
was was the Sinestro Hal uh, interactions. The I mean, there was at least the flashback sequence in the middle was fantastic. The flashback was amazing, but when he first arrives at the moon and he just very quietly is like, "Look out!" You know, like, and all the all the Red Lanterns pop up behind him. So that happens, and you're like, "Well, is he kind of helping him at this point?" And then he kills the the, the Lara. Yeah, Sinestro does, and and like the whole thing, he's playing him the whole time, and it's really. I love I, I love that right after he kills Lara and he goes, Look at that, Jordan, another broken promise. Like, yeah, it's, like, like, it's it's getting so like it's chilling, you know? Like, because for a second you think, well, maybe like these guys are all gonna align and he's gonna say, Well, we were evil, but these good people are really evil, and then that just kicks you right back into the no no no, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Like this is a bad dude. Uh so I was that's showing how I'll have the best villain hero relationship right now oh yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah totally absolutely it's, those, it's those literally those two panels that both the one that you just mentioned and then the like the lookout behind you those two things framed the whole issue for me and i was just uh, it was worth it just for those those yeah. little interactions yep and i just and, and and i just I, I just love the random um the random lanterns like when the yellow lantern showed i'm like ooh, who are they like i just want to know like i love the the, the different aliens you know like it just oh, it's great and, and Ivan Reese again, like I don't know how he's keeping up with this amount of work in this short time, but he he's killing it. Yeah, I mean, think of he's gotten these beautiful issues out every month, more than every month. For you know, he's working at Bagley speed, but he's producing you know really impressive, impressive work. Yeah, but what you don't know is the next issue is all stick figures, <laughs> which would be awesome. I, I love how I love how stick week. So last issue we had the blue lanterns that just like infinitely charged the green lantern ring, and then the moment Hal got into you know within striking distance of a bunch of red lanterns, his ring gets sapped. You know what I mean? Like it's just so interesting to see how the powers are playing out and how it just the the different effects each of the lanterns have on each other. It's just so, it's so cool. I don't know. I just love it. I just totally. I, I want to live in this world. I don't. I don't <laughs> think you do. No, I don't think I do either. <laughs> um, let me ask you this: Would you like to live in the world of Afro Samurai? I heard it's pretty cool. It's uh, the second part is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD Resurrection. So uh, we're going to throw to the ad. Samuel L. Jackson returns in the sequel to the best-selling anime of 2007, Afro Samurai Resurrection. Afro Samurai avenged his father and found a life of peace, but a beautiful and deadly woman is forcing him back into the game. Starring Samuel L. Jackson and Lucy Liu, with new beats from the RZA featuring two hours of extras. Get the Blu-ray and DVD on February 3rd. Afro Samurai Resurrection. One brother, one path, 1,000 deaths. Visit afrosamurai.com for more details. You can pick up that Blu-ray and DVD on February 3rd. You can go to afrosamurai.com for more details. And nobody's saying the RZA on this podcast. Oh, Who's got it. the beats, Josh? Who's got the new beats? The RZA got all the mad new beats, you know? Did you listen yeah. to the Brown Comics yet, Josh? Yeah, he said Aussie A. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> Please, son. Uh, see, at least we handled it a little better. Anyway. I have. Hey, Josh and I know who the RZA is. I know Just who the RZA is. How do I not know who the RZA is? I grew up on Long Island, Staten Island. It's all there. The RZA. Name the Wu Tang. All of them right now. Uh, um, ODB, um, RZA. Um, uh, what's Ew. his name? Uh, Giza. No. What's his Giza. name? Yeah. Um, Genius Giza. That's the, three. Um, Gamfit. Gamfit. <laughs> uh, Mugwai. Uh, 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 Legolas. Uh, Treebeard. Uh, uh, walrus face and uh, Shark Man. Uh, I know ODB. I worked in a record store when the black record came out. The um, the the thirty six, not the not the thirty six chambers. That's the one with the yellow. When the one that came out like in ninety eight, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, the later one. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Spider Man Noir number two was my other was the finalist book God, for. So white. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just like, I'm like I know that record. <laughs> I thought because I like Spider-Man Noir, that's why I was so white. I was trying to figure out how that was possible. But um, I really love this book, and I think it's because this is truly a Marvel Elseworlds tale, whereas in the past, DC had that whole line of Elseworlds, they really mined it, whereas Marvel only really had the what-if books, which are still not really Elseworlds books, they're just twists, whereas this is really just an Elseworlds tale, it's really just Spider-Man in the 30s. And it's great storytelling, great art, and and a twist I didn't see coming at the end that made me go, oh! Which is always a nice thing when you're reading comics. It's always nice. Yep. Perfect. Uh, R- Robin182. This is the end of Robin, but the beginning well, next, of Robin. Next issue is the end of Robin. Oh, really? Final issue of Robin. Keep- you never, you never go to the last page. You just stop. <laughs> yeah. I never know what the end of anything is. 
there's, there's no finality in my life. I can't commit to an ending, so I just pretend like it's not there. Sorry. I like how he has a Robin branded cell phone. Everything. And it's Batman's all about branding and marketing. He's a genius. Everything is branded. Yeah, Wayne Tech. Yeah. Um, it was good. It was good. It was very solid. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, it was okay. I don't know. I, I felt like... Uh, hey, how come his hood's off at the end? Well, I was trying to figure that out because my, my justification is that when you saw this burned up head, it was like the back fourth of it, whereas the, the first three quarters from the front were okay. So, so he's my, flying around out there with a big bald spot in the back? My, my, my idea is... Uh, one, in that last shot, we just can't see it because of the angle. And two, he's just decided to take the chance with infection. Because all that, <laughs> all that skin is very prone to infection. I don't know. That's what the I'm whole... Trying to, I'm trying to justify it because it doesn't make any sense. He's got That's what the skull. whole Stephanie challenging thing him was about. Was to say, listen, Bruce would want you to take the chance with infection. But wait a minute. There's another shot. Oh, forget it. There's another shot in here where he's sitting in the, in the, in the um, bat cave and you see his whole back head. So I don't know what happened. But he's got all his hair back. And only last month it was all burned up. Sucks. So I had to wear the hood for a while. Some sort of um, well, yeah, but crap because it only happened the same day, so it doesn't. Some sort of um, editorial snafu there. Damn. Which happens. Damn. Unfortunately, Amazing Spider-Man five eighty four: The Return of John Romita Jr. And oh, is and it so good? The next big story arc, and I really, really like this a lot. Holy I love crap. This issue was good. Yeah. This issue is setting up the, the, the spider tracer killer. All, this, all the stuff they've been building out this whole year is going to come to a head in this arc. The, the, and, the cover was fantastic. The whole issue was great. Um, that page where Harry Osborne proposes to his girlfriend. Yep. Like, how beautiful great was page. that page? It was a great page. Yeah, and it just like and everything, everything just flows the way a Spider-Man story should. I know, I know, we've been talking like almost you know pretty much every other week about how great Spider-Man has been, and stuff, but it really, it really is what Spider-Man should be. Yep. Like it should be the best, but it should be one of the best books Marvel's putting out. And I really think it is. I mean, just the 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 movement on the stories. Every you know, everybody's got a, a storyline that is moving and progressing and inching forward enough so that you you're satisfied by the, the by the by the movement is taking, but it's not spending too much time on anybody. Like it's just keeping you at the level of it's teasing you with some with some bits, but it's moving you along in the story, and it's just it's fantastic. So, well, the benefit of the almost weekly book is that you can have all these different storylines. You can't focus on lots of people because yeah. you get a lot more time to do it than you yeah. would in normal 12, 12 times a year. So yeah. that's one benefit to this is that everybody gets sort of a spotlight shine. And then so this is a really Guggen- Guggenheim wrote this one, and I just got to give him a, uh, a real slow clap for the uh, the one the the first page with the shocker and boomerang talking about voting. Yeah, that was funny. It was you know like the, it's the mayor race is coming in New York and Boomerang and Shocker are going to you know to go, go to the bookie and um you know and and it's again it's kind of like the Bendis thing you come into the conversation when it started and Shocker going I'm not voting you know and and, and Boomerang lecturing Shocker about his civic duty and voting the idea of supervillains voting is hysterical. So, yeah, yeah. it's very good. Yep. very strong. Um, let me tell you a little story. I read Hellblazer for years, and, and, and uh, Mike Carey made me love him, and then Andy Diggle came on, and I really, really, really enjoyed it, and then um, after that, I went back and I read all of the Garth Ennis stuff, and I, I absolutely fell in love, and then I heard that Simon Oliver was going to be taking over, and I was very, very happy, and then all of a sudden, Pete Milligan is the regular writer. Now, <laughs> Pete Milligan is a guy who a lot of people love. Um, he used to do a lot of Vertigo work. Uh, a listener, and I'm sorry, I, I have no record of who this was, was somebody sent me Shade the Changing Man, which was a Pete Milligan Vertigo story drawn by Chris Boschelow, because he said, I think you should try it. I think you'll really like it. Um, and I hated it. I literally like, had a really, really hard time getting through it. I thought it, make, it made no sense. Um, the X-Force stuff was okay. Um, but everything else he's written that I've read in the past decade, I have not liked that much. But he's taken over one of my favorite titles. Um, and this was fantastic. This was <laughs> really, really good issue of Hellblazer. Hellblazer 251. Um, Giuseppe Camicoli on art, um, who had done a couple of issues with Diggle. One of them was my pick of the week. Um, it was just pitch perfect. It was great. Um, it was really like it, it starts off and he's like sort of hanging out with a new girl and 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 they're they're really um, getting along well and he's sort of sharing about his past and he's trying to grow and move on. Um, he's itching all over the place. He opens up his shirt and he's got this giant scab over his entire like front, like his chest uh, all the way up to his neck from his belt. 
Um, that should be Robin's and, head. That's how it should look. It should be all. And like he's head. he's kind of nonplussed about it. He's like, ah, oh, it's some magic thing again. And and so he's trying to get to it. And then at the end, it's just really kind of creepy and scary. Um, this was fantastic. It was a, it was beautifully drawn and colored and written. I was I was really really happy. I'm really happy because I was worried you were going to be in a funk for eight months or however long. Because well, there's there's that, and then there's de- you know there's Bullseye, there's Hawkeye. It's been a, it's been a rough week. <laughs> well, I know even Tuesday night I think we were talking. You mentioned Mill- Milligan again. We had a discussion about Milligan, and you were not looking forward to Wednesday because Hellblazer was coming out. And I'm happy because I knew you would be bummed if it sucked. So that's good. No, it was good. It was all right. Um, what did you think I'll- of Captain America: Theater of War, America the Beautiful, number one? That's a long title, dude. <laughs> it was, and I actually had to write it in an email earlier this week, and I was like, that's really stupid long. Um, <laughs> it was okay. This was, I, I was really torn about whether to buy this because it was Paul Jenkins, but it was Captain America in World War II, and I thought, well. Gary you know, Erskine did Dan, Dan Dare. Yeah, he did, but I don't think this was some of his best work. Um, Although I see Jerry Ordway in here. Yeah, well, he inked it, I believe. Didn't uh, he? Well, Ordway, Ordway, I, no, 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 no. Ordway, Ordway drew the back the backstory that Jurgens wrote. Oh, Ordway drew, yeah, yeah. Well, I, this was okay. There was things I liked a lot about and things that I didn't. Um, I don't know. I I did want more from it. It felt a little surfacey, I think, at times. And it was supposed to be. It was like this is the soldier who is the the bravest soldier I ever met. Uh, I thought it redeemed itself in the end, but it was it was five bucks and it was a lot of pages and it was way way too. I think you just could have accomplished it sooner. Um, there, were, there were things about it that was good, but I, I don't know. I'm very torn about it, basically. I wanted to like it a lot, but I also expected not to like it, and I sort of landed in between those. Did you read it, Connor? I have no opinion on it, because the, the one I got was so full of printing errors, it was impossible to read. Really? The pages were all out of order. Some of the sequences were, were, were printed twice. It was, it was, at uh, $5? Um, yeah, it was that, a little rough. That's a shame. Was, Really disappointed. There, it, there I started reading a, it, and I thought this doesn't really make much sense. And then I read, and then I, and then I, and then I got about five pages in, and the scene in the start of the book started again. And I thought, wait a minute, are we going back in time? And then, and then I realized, no, we just have a printing error. And then the should, beginning happened in the middle, and I just went, oh, you should return that comic. Well, there's a there's a backup story at the end though, which I've never read, so it, I think I'm pretty sure it was a reprinted. Which was actually a, a little cute story, like a short story about. Um, about them reunite about a, a kid reuniting Captain America and Nick Fury with his grandfather who's dying. It, it was actually it was written by Dan Jurgens and drawn by Jerry Ordway. Really nice little story. I'm not exactly sure when it's from, but um, I actually enjoyed that more than the than the first story, a lot more. So actually, in the rare case that the back the backup reprint story was was actually really quite good. Go I mean, so that's that. Connor, you know seriously, yeah. you, you should go return. I want you to return that book when you go on Wednesday and see if they give you another copy. I'm curious to see how that works now. I agree. Right. Yeah. So. It was very disappointing. I five sat on the couch bucks. and opened it up. Yeah, five bucks. Yeah, no, totally. You should, the store should either re, re, you know, give you a better copy and they, should, they can return it or you should send it to Marvel. I'm going down to Marvel. Yeah, bang. Where's Casada? <laughs> I know where you live. I know where you are. <laughs> well, these are, these are this is our thoughts on this week's comics, but we like to also hear from you guys. So that's why every week on iFanboy you can go and you can make your pull list. You can rate your books and you can also write your reviews. We like to pick a few and ho- highlight them on the show. And our first one is from Akamu, who reviewed Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 2 and gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 1 out of 5. And 0% of the user base picked this as their pick of the week. And Akamu says, the artwork in this issue made it really difficult for me to read. As I kept thinking, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. From the moment I cracked open the front cover. It's not that the art is technically bad. It's that the style just isn't X-Men. I skimmed through the rest of the issue. Frost, Namor, Hookup, Sentinels? And did I just see Batman? I mean, he's dead in one in the universe. Why not have him show up in Marvel? The last page was probably the only plot point I needed to read anyway. Oh, Akamu. Why so ignorant? Mitch Brightweiser on art. No, okay. Well, first, here, here's the thing. Is that this is, um, whether you want to believe it or not, there's an X-Men tie into Dark Reign because Emma was called to the meeting by Norman Osborn and went to it. Um, yep. What this issue does is what this, this annual, which um, is the closest to a tie-in that the X-Men probably will get with Dark Reign right now, and it's two stories, one um, in the present and one in the past. Now, the present story, to address the art, the present-day story was, was, was art by Mitch Brightweiser. And the past story was art by Daniel Acuna. And it was jarring, as it should be because they're different time periods. I, I just don't like Daniel Acuna. Like, I, I just think he's bad. Um, it's that weird kind of 
Ariel Olivetti, square jaw, kind of, you know, weird kind of digitally kind of art style type thing. He did the, he did the Flash. He did the Flash book, Yeah, right? those awful Flash issues with the kids. Uh, remember remember Daniel Kuna's bulked up son, Flash son? The kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, um, and he did the Green, the Green Lantern, too. Yeah. What's unfortunate, though, is that um, that Daniel Kuna's art isn't here taking away from the fact that Mitch Breitweiser drew the fuck out of this book. Like, like seriously, like I want to show you guys this this book. Just look at his art because he it just it looks so so good, so so good. Um, I love him. He's one of my favorite new guys. Yeah, it's, it's not new, really, but guys really doesn't good. get a lot of really really good. Um, and so what what the story does is it focuses on the relationship between Emma and Namor. And so in the present day, you see them talking um, after the meeting, and then they have it they have it after the meeting with Norman Osborn, and then they have another meeting in New York City, um, and then. There are flashbacks to their first meeting when uh, Sebastian Shaw tried to recruit Namor for the Hellfire Club. So it's less about Dark Reign. It's less about the X-Men, and it's more about Namor and the Hellfire Club and building a relationship between these characters that we never knew existed, um, which is really, really interesting and makes the whole you know kind of Dark Reign crew a little more interesting to know that they have a connection. Um, right. it, it, this was this was a lot of fun to read. I thought it was really really good. I really enjoyed it. I, it does the story the story in the arc getting a two and a one is not fair. I mean, admittedly, Daniel Kuna's art is a big hurt for it, but Mitt Breitweiser's art makes up for it. Um, but I thought the story was really really good and really well written. So who was who was Batman? I don't know what the Batman thing he's talking about was. I have no idea. So Breitweiser's a guy whose art I really like when I see it, but he never seems to work on stuff that I want to buy. Yeah, such as this book. Yeah. He's got something coming up soon, which I think is which which I forget. I don't remember what it is, but I was like, "Oh, he's doing that something at Marvel." Anyway, he's doing Darkhawk, Josh. You should get on that. <laughs> yeah. All right. So our next review comes from Brian Bear, um, who reviewed uh, Supergirl number thirty-seven, which he gave the story a five out of five and the art a four out of five. And uh, the iFanboy community of them, one point two percent, made it their pick of the week. And Brian Bear says, The creative team of Gates and Eigel made Supergirl the most steady, reliable part of the rocky new Krypton crossover, and it doesn't look like they're letting up yet. This book has interesting characters, a good balance of story and action, and more fun per, per, per square inch than most titles. I consider it DC's answer to the throwback style Marvel has been using on Amazing, on Amazing Spider-Man and Nova. And it's still two ninety nine. Everybody should give this book a chance. And I've heard nothing but good things about Supergirl. Yeah, and this particular issue itself was really, really strong. It was a very good issue. Yeah. Um, it's basically we're learning more about the superwoman person who's definitely not good, and um, he, they're they're fleshing out a really interesting character in Supergirl. She's a very sort of realistic teen who's having trouble figuring out where her loyalties lie. So new new Krypton is a rocky crossover, though. I didn't think it was, but some people didn't. Sure. Okay. Um, all right, so if you have an opinion on any of the books that came out this week, go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics where you can uh, do your pull list. You can rate and review them, and maybe we'll read your review on uh, next week's show. Uh, but if you need to buy your comic books, uh, make sure you use the discount comic book service. Um, they're a great, uh, great service that uh, ships comics directly to you. Um, you can you know, pick from all the major publishers. They discount their books like a ton. They've got monthly specials up to 75% off the books. 40% off the major publishers. Um, you, what you can do is you go to their website, you pick, uh, you can buy anything that's in the previews catalog. They've got over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and available for order, as well as weekly issues. Um, and anything you buy, it's a flat rate shipping of $5.95 for all orders in the United States. So that's a pretty good deal. So um, if you don't have a local store nearby you, or if you want to save a little more money on your comics, uh, go to dcbservice.com. That's dcbservice.com and start buying your comics from D- Discount Comic Book Service. Next up is the email. Sean M., otherwise known as Rift1128 on the site, says, I'm an avid iFanboy dot 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 fan, and I wondered if you guys could help me. I recently have come across a long-lost issue of Action Comics number 1 from 1938. It's in near-mint condition, which shocked me. I really want to get it appraised, and I don't have the slightest idea how to start. Any ideas? Um, really? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, uh, Sean, if you really have an, an, a near mint I- issue of Action Comics number one, then send a photo. Yeah, send a photo. Yeah, seriously, send a photo, and then um, uh, we will come see you because it's really only worth like twenty bucks, and I'll, I'll give you forty for it. <laughs> you know what? That's literally the kind of thing, though. That like you could take it to like a high end auction. You could like yeah, Sotheby's, Sotheby's or something. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not. It's like the upside down plane stamp. But that's it's, a really, you don't screw that's a really good point, though. Is that is that if you if for some reason you have one, 
how do you how do you a prove that it is is real? How, like, how, where do you go? Like, do you go to CGC or is there or do you go to do, this you, go, is, do you go to Overstreet? Like, who do you go to? This is one of the instances where I would say that it, because that literally, if it was real or you thought it was real, take a week off from work, get in your car, and drive to wherever CGC's headquarters is. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend this. This is the only time. And, 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 you know, hermetically seal that, and then you don't have to oh, this is, uh, pay for anything. This is fascinating. Ever. I just I just quickly did a search to try to find out, like, how much it's worth, and I found this post by somebody um, on eBay, what, like some super user, um, and he says, Action Comics number one, first Superman, beware of reprints. Collectors should be aware that there was an exact reprint of Action Comics number one published in 1974 under DC Comics' famous first edition line. Originally, the comic had a stiff outer cover identifying it as a reprint. When the outer cover is removed, it is identical to the original book, except that it is oversized, 10 inches long, 13 and a half inches tall. There have been many instances over the years where a non-comic collector has been fooled by one of these reprints. So that's he an- sold his house, yeah, divorced that's a- his wife. That's another thing you need to be aware of, is that, is that maybe, it's not, maybe it's not a legit copy. So, I don't know. That's really, that's really weird. Wow. There, I mean, there's always a possibility, but I think there's only like three or four in existence that people know of, that yeah. e- of this book that even exist at all. Yeah, go yeah, to any time, any call CGC or call honestly call Mile High Comics. Call any of the major kind of big big deal, um, like you know, uh, what you call distributors, not distributors, but you know, resellers. Um, yeah, God, I don't, I don't think I've ever actually seen one of those. I've seen most of the big ones. I've seen a Marvel Comics. No, we saw one. We saw one. We saw it in San Diego. We were all there looking at it. Sure, that was Detective Twenty Seven. But there's only there's like a both few of them. Of them. Yeah. I have the photograph of it. It's both of them together. Okay. okay, so the approximate present day value of a near mint condition of Action Comics number one is the approximate value is one point three million dollars. <laughs> I, I will give you forty dollars for near mint. Fifty. 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 I'll give you a hundred dollars for your copy. That's amazing. Ron, Ron wants forty. I'll go with a hundred. Here's the deal: if that's real, we get a grant. Yes. Yeah, dude. You're a part of the iFanboy Nation, man. Come on. You said you're an avid iFanboy Ellipses fan, I, I guess. Wow. Well, let's, let's see what Elijah W has to say. Hopefully he didn't Elijah find Elijah Wood, Holy Comics shit, 20- it's Frodo. <laughs> he found Detective Comics 27 in his garage. He says the current trend at DC recently has been to bring back Silver Age characters with the return of Hal Jordan as Green Lantern and the real Supergirl. Real in quotation marks, and the soon to be return of Barry Allen as the Flash. At the same time, though, DC's cleaning house by whacking off Marshman as in the original Aquaman. <laughs> then taking the mantle of Batman away from Bruce yet again. Recently, I learned that Tad Williams, who was writing the recent Aquaman title before it was canned, had a plan to bring back the original Aquaman, but DC shot him down and canceled the book. I guess what I'm getting at is do you guys think this constant rotation of characters being dead and then alive is good or bad for the characters and for the universe they live in on a long term basis? Just to clarify, um, Aquaman was killed many, many, many years ago. So that's it's been a while. They didn't just kill him. Um, Hal Jordan's been back for many, many, many years. And the real Supergirl, I don't know what that means exactly, because the real Supergirl died in crisis. This is not the real. Talking about, I mean, this idea of these recycling of the of the characters and the legacies and stuff like that. And the thing is, is that I think I think that DC is doing it just. They're doing it just as much of replacing old characters with new versions of them as they are. Um, keeping the, the the old characters going, and if you ask me, the keeping the old characters going are the things that we're talking about. We're always talking about Justice Society. We're talking about Green Lantern. You know, like Superman. You know, like you know the the books where they're doing these kind of stunty type things, which was something they did a lot in the '90s with with Kyle Rayner and with Green Arrow and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but what's the book you're most excited for? Flash, Flash, Flash book, Barry Allen's yeah, Flash yeah. book. Because because it's it's Jeff Johns who will do it right. You know, I mean, I believe it doesn't I matter. Believe, it's still it's still goes against your, your no no but, but the thing is that yeah that, that's a little bit of of dc editorial giving john's to go do this but john's wrote wally west for how many years four or five years and it was it was amazing so right but I that's just, the point is it doesn't like, matter who the character is it just yeah. matters the writing's good yeah i feel like the 80s and 90s was a lot of replacing whereas you know the the dan didio reign has been getting back in touch with the roots to a certain extent you know like bringing bringing back the I mean, we all thought for a while that DC was going to go hardcore Silver Age. Yeah. Like, everything was going to... They were going to change the tone of everything. It was going to get weird. And that, that hasn't really come to pass. I don't know. I think it's just juggling. The people who were replaced, you know, have been put back. And the people who haven't been for a long time are getting, you know, mixed around. Um, and, and from what I understand, Connor, the, the Tad Williams thing, uh, 
The book was just real bad. <laughs> it's horrible. And it got canceled because it, it didn't sell and it was terrible. Um, they do need to bring Arthur back, though. It's time. Let's do it. Come on. Yes. I agree. They and keep, they they keep rumoring. They the keep, they're keep Actually, it's funny. They keep having rumors about it. And every time Jeff Johns is interviewed, he says he'd love to write Aquaman, which would probably break Ron. Well, I'd, I, I would read it. I'd read it. I don't mind Aquaman. See, exactly. Yeah. You find yourself buying an Aquaman book, and that would probably weird you out. No, I don't know. I'm not that weirded out by Aquaman. Man, you bring him back and you could have a good JLA again. Yeah. Mm. No Marsh Manhunter, though. Well, he, he can come back. Well, he's happy because he, he got whacked off. Yeah, he, he got whacked off, so he's, he's just, he's just kind of he's laying back. He's having a cigarette. <laughs> All right, so if you found the rare comic in your <laughs> attic or garage or under your bed or some other odd place, you can send us an email at contact.fanboy.com, and we will now accept 10% of all sales all the money you make off yeah, that exactly yeah. if we if we advise you we get 10 percent. just a hundred thousand dollars come on what is that compared to 1.3 million come on <laughs> that's actually only eight percent it's a hundred and thirty thousand dollars i don't think i ever told you guys about it. i went to a garage sale once and this old lady was uh selling her kids comics or whatever and it was just like amazing fantasy 15 fantastic four number one i gave her a quarter for the whole box it was amazing <laughs> I, I and if you like if you like movies, you go to Netflix.com. They've got over 100,000 movie titles. They've got no late fees with free shipping both ways. They even have Blu-ray titles for people like Josh. they got fast deliveries. They got You can get their shipments in the majority. That was horribly mangled. <laughs> the majority of their shipments ship in one day after you put them in your queue. The plan starts as low as $4.99, and you can get a two-week free trial when you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy. And I just got Appaloosa. Oh, cool. Oh, mine's on delay because I'm waiting for the Blu-ray. You win again, Kilpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's time for the voicemail. So uh, our good friend Daryl checks in. Here's Daryl. If you want to look at good art and read a good comic, read Secret Six by Gail Simone and Nicholas Scott. That's a good book. It has a concise story. It makes sense. Read that. Fuck Spider-Man. Art is better than, than Marcos Martin. Read Spider. Don't read that crap. Just read Gail Simone's Secret Six. That's a good book you should support. Later. So uh, there's either there's one or two stories going on here. One. He's loaded. He's he's been drinking all night and wakes up in a haze and decides I should probably call iFanboy and tell them about about Secret Six. Or two, it sounds this is this is more likely I think he was watching TV late at night, cell phone in hand had meant to call us. Uh it sort of just passed out asleep and then sort of woke up like, Oh, I don't want to forget to call. So he calls us up, didn't bother to turn the TV off first. <laughs> tells us what he was tells us what he was thinking. Uh, and then his task is done. <laughs> By the way, he might have said something about a book. I I couldn't even tell you. I was just thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> Don't really know. I I here's what I understand. He doesn't seem to like Marvel books. <laughs> it's true, actually. A lot. I'm I'm Daryl. We're challenging. What is a Marvel book that you do enjoy? Or are you just are you just a totally DC fan? It's okay, but it just seems that if you're always very hard on Bendis, you're very hard on everything, you're very hard on Spider-Man, which we're enjoying. I mean, we do appreciate Nicola Scott. We like her art a lot um, and her great things. She's a great artist. She gets better and better every year. She was fantastic on Birds of Prey. I loved her art in that. Um, When she eventually takes over Wonder Woman, it's going to be fantastic. Secret (laughs) Secret Six is a lot of talk. It's something I possibly will check out on trade, but... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm ne- I've never really liked anything Gail Simone has written personally. So like, but... I, I don't get the Catman thing. I'll, there, I said it. Apparently, he's a sex. He was a machine. Batman villain. Yeah, I know he's a Batman <laughs> villain. I know who he is. I just don't get the the obsession with him. But anyway, so the sex machine. It's the furries. The furries quite enjoy. So it. if you like furries, uh, you can call us and leave us a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Make sure your voicemail is about thirty seconds and tell us who you are and where you're from. Somebody out there listening knows about furry parties. That's all I know. <laughs> Somebody. Does. Someone's name um, is Ron. No. We wanted to remind you to go back and check on the feed if you haven't found it for a Talksplode episode. That is our creator interview show where Ron and I sat down and talked with Dwayne Swrasinski for a, for a good chunk of time. Dwayne is a Marvel exclusive writer. He's working on Immortal Iron Fist and Cable. He's doing a Punisher Max arc. He's doing 
werewolf by night. He writes novels. He delivers pizzas. He does all sorts of – no, he doesn't deliver pizzas. Um, he's a very busy guy. He even has two little kids. My god. Um, so check that out. We had fun talking to Dwayne. Also, you may remember last week we talked about the Coraline giveaway stuff that we had going on. For iFanboy members, if you are a member – and Ron's going to tell you all about that pretty soon – in just a minute, um, you can you are automatically entered to win one of six Coraline prize packs. Coraline, of course, the film uh, based on the Neil Gaiman story uh, that, that comes out on February sixth. So go. There will be a link in the show notes for this, and there's a post on ifanboy.com about what that stuff is. Um, and also on that same page, you will find a free download from audible.com. Uh, of a Neil Gaiman short story. Um, it, it's actually like, it's not that short. It's like a 50 minute audio download, which is actually really cool. And um, the, the, the prize packs are uh, Coraline video games, t shirts, books, all sorts of cool stuff like that. And so there'll be six of those. Anybody who signs up between now and February 13th for an iFanboy membership is eligible, including all of you who had already signed up as well. So go there. In just a few short weeks, we'll be at the New York Comic Con. So if you're in the New York City area and you're going to be at the con, so will we. We'll be there shooting our video show, as always. So if you see us, say hi. Although not while we're shooting, because that would be awkward and we'd have to start over and then that'd be just weird. But say hi, and every, sa- and every Saturday night we have a party. No, just on one Saturday during the con. We're going to be having our you know, annual New York City Comic Con party. We've done it two years in a row now, and the third one will be Saturday. We haven't got the details just yet. We're still working on it, but we will have them soon, and we'll announce them on the show as well as on a post on the website, so check that out. If you're going to be at the New York Comic Con, we hope to see you there. And as Josh mentioned, um, we have a membership program over at ifanboy.com. Uh, we put out ifanboy.com and these podcasts and all the week's worth of writing and the website and everything all for absolutely for free. And uh, we've, we've asked you folks to kind of help us out to kind of keep the lights on and keep ifanboy moving. Um, we've got two levels. Um, you can sign up for $4 a month or $42 a year, and that gets you the ifanboy membership pack, which includes some ifanboy buttons and stickers, and you get a free comic. And everybody loves comics, so who doesn't want that? And for $10 a month or $100 a year, you get that membership pack as well as the special edition iFanboy members t-shirt. We've been talking about it. We've been hyping it. The design is finally here. So if you go to iFanboy.com, we're gonna, there's a post on there where we're presenting the, the iFanboy members only t-shirt. Uh, so all of you who have ordered your t-shirts, they're being printed and we're going to be getting them to you as soon as we can. Uh, so in the next couple weeks, so we appreciate your patience. And for those of you who are maybe waiting it out, you want to see what the t-shirt looks like. Hopefully go to iFanboy.com, check it out. Hopefully you'll dig it and you'll sign up for the $10 a month uh, option to get the T-shirt. The and not only – we didn't stop there. Not only do we have the iFanboy members T-shirt, but we're also excited to announce the very first limited edition iFanboy, iFanboy T-shirt. Um, normally these T-shirts would be um, – we're going to be doing limited print runs of these and members will get the first crack at them. But we decided for this first one to open it up to everyone. Also, because it's kind of time sensitive, uh, this first T-shirt is a Watchmen theme for to go, to go with the movie. So, if you're looking for a T-shirt to wear when you go see the Watchmen, this is a perfect ideal T-shirt. It's very very cool. I can't wait to wear one. Um, so, go to ifanboy.com. You can see the post about the T-shirts, where you can see the members-only T-shirt and the new Watchmen T-shirt, and get your orders in while you can. Like I said, they're going to be a limited run, so that you know it's first come first serve, and we're only doing we're only doing one print run unless there's a huge you know. A lot of people want it. Maybe we'll consider it. But um, so go to ifanboy.com, check out all the t-shirts. And while you're there, you want to check out all of the other awesome things that we put on ifanboy.com. That's right. I'm taking credit for it. We put it there. Um, I say that because we're very proud of it. You can rate and pull your books every single week. You can check out the written pick of the week review. You can check out all the original content from the many incredibly talented writers who have uh, decided to grace us with their presence on ifanboy. You could uh, decide, hey, I hate. Uh, Grant Morrison and I have nowhere to talk about it. Well, I you do have a place to talk about it. You might think, God, I wish I knew where there was an exclusive review of the new Scott Pilgrim book, which isn't going to be out for two weeks. Well, y- you can find a spoiler-free review of that right there at ifanboy.com too. So as you can tell, I'm pretty excited about that. And while you're there, you can go to ifanboy.com slash store. That's where you can find the membership stuff. But you can also click a link through to the Amazon store, which is also found at ifanboy.com slash Amazon. And there you can see a listing of all the books we talk about on the video show that links to Amazon as well as our other media picks, which as well as it links to Amazon itself. So if you want to do some shopping on Amazon, completely unrelated to comics, you can help us out by clicking on that link and going through that way. 
And um, in addition to all the great things at iFanboy.com, we've got a video show that comes out every Wednesday. Um, you can check that out at iFanboy.com or you can go to revision3.com forward slash iFanboy. This past week, we did a little spotlight on Oni Press. Um, and this coming week, um, and next, this Wednesday, we've got an episode all about DC Marvel crossovers, one of the most uh, requested from the fan base um, episodes. We talk about DC Marvel crossovers. So check that out. If you have a TiVo, you can also watch those video shows on there, So I Hear. I don't have a TiVo anymore. I have a cable company DVR. But when I did have TiVo, it was awesome. And if I still had it, I would be watching us on there. But that's a little narcissistic. Anyway, someone else go. <laughs> we mentioned the new iFanboy shirts. You can still get the old blue intern shirts at, at revision3.com slash store. That's where they are. There's a very limited amount left. There's only a few left, actually. And you can get them for fifteen ninety nine, and they're at the store. So you get... Get the intern shirt before it's gone. And as we mentioned earlier, if you want to contact us, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. That's the best way to get in touch with us, the email or the voicemail. Make sure you limit it to 30 seconds. Let us know who you are and where you're from. Listen to me. Uh, the new currency of the web is social networking. Uh, there's no real economy anymore, so you got to have something. <laughs> so get to ifanboy.com slash about. Um, you can find links to our... MySpace, uh, which no one goes on anymore. Facebook, uh, Verb. I've never even been on Verb. Uh, Goodreads go on there a lot. Twitter, um, Facebook groups, things like that. There's all of those ways that you can, you can get in touch with us uh, through, through the internet, um, which you'll have to do with the oncoming economic apocalypse. <laughs> there's also a Flickr group. There's a, there's a Flickr group for iFanboy pictures. Yeah. If you like the show, you can write a review on iTunes. That's how people find the show when they're searching for Convo Podcast. So it helps out and it would help us greatly. So if you do that for the audio show and the video show, we'd appreciate it. As well as tell your comic book friends and your comic book store owners and your comic book store pen pals. I got, and those guys are really just in prison. I got to admit, I was in iTunes the other day and I was reading the, the, the reviews. And a lot of really, really nice folks leaving really nice positive reviews of us. And so I just want to thank everybody who's left a positive review. And, and please keep them coming. It's, it's always great to see. So. And, and there's a there's a couple weirdos. There's a couple of weirdos. But yeah, way couple, no, yeah. way more nice. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's always some weirdos, but um, these yeah. guys never talk about furry parties. One star. <laughs> oh, not the furries, please. It's not wrong though. We don't. <laughs> oh, it's painful. <laughs> so in that case, it's a valid. It's a valid criticism. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> All right. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. All right, I'm a little curious about Josh. the furry thing. But what I'm saying is, uh, I'm out, I'm out. Forget I said anything, but. <laughs> <laughs>